Maybe you remember Napster, and it only existed for three years before the turn of this century because it had serious legal problems with copyright infringement. It was the first site where you could download an album or a song. And in the end, Napster was simply a roadmap for companies doing the exact same thing, sharing a database with listeners. Welcome back to Accelerando. I'm Paula Tuttle, and this week we're talking about more technology and music. Napster was the first to incorporate peer-to-peer file-sharing technology for music lovers who could download MP3s directly, meaning they didn't have to go through much more technically-oriented web pages like File Transfer Protocol, FTP. Peer-to-peer, or P2P, sharing methods were shaped to be easy to use. Essentially, just some of the barriers were removed. Before Napster came along, savvy hackers could download almost anything anyways. Napster made millions of files easily downloadable to the public through a Windows application. The music industry freaked. A shutdown ensued and the incredibly popular service closed its doors in 2002. Napster went away, but peer-to-peer file sharing did not. The courts were able to sue Napster because it relied on a database of millions of copyrighted materials. The companies that would rise up after Napster's demise would get around the legal issues. What we have today are sites like Apple, iTunes, Google, and Amazon that use the same peer-to-peer concept to share files and music. Musicians pushed back on the MP3 format, and in particular, the unauthorized downloading, call it stealing, by putting up spoof files. They might look like full-length songs, but instead it would be a snippet played over and over and over. Madonna played a trick on her listeners that were trying to download her new album on Napster. Here's what she did before its release. What the f*** do you think you're doing? This was flooded on Napster, the file-sharing network, prior to the release of her album, American Life. Did it stop people from pirating music? Probably not. That Madonna clip went viral, and it drew a lot of attention to Napster. And this can be called the Streisand effect, like Barbara Streisand. When the Coast Guard was taking photos of the coastline, her palatial house appeared online, and Streisand complained. And pretty soon, the internet was flooded with pictures of Barbara Streisand's house because she drew attention to it. What happened next was unexpected. Musicians started putting out MP3s without getting paid or getting paid very little. They saw it as a way to promote their music, not a way to make a living. MP3s were now a pathway to connect with their fans. And you guessed it, concerts were the money makers in the end. The music labels were not happy about this. They didn't think the file sharing community was likely to pay. The single downloads paid infinitely small royalties. We see several artists refusing to go this route, like the Beatles refusing to be on the iTunes store. But eventually everyone had to come around, including the Beatles. Other holdouts like Garth Brooks 
said he wouldn't allow iTunes to sell his music unless it was an entire album. And Apple refused to concede that point, too. Next, we have Apple saying the 99 cent singles are sales, not licenses. And sales was a lower payout, 15%. That's what the sales rate paid. And soon, artists like Eminem, Allman Brothers, and Cheap Trick argue that a download isn't a thing, it's not physical. Just like license isn't physical, so they believe they should get the higher rate, the license rate, which was 50%. This is an interesting but fractured way of thinking. If the artist gave up license for 99 cents, they were just shooting themselves in the foot. A license meant that the licensee could use the song in a TV ad or a video or elsewhere. And you got to understand, the artists were getting shellacked with the MP3 technology. Of course, Apple wanted to pay out less. Obviously, the lower sales rate and the licensing needed to have more safeguards. For the end user to be able to use a song in a TV ad or movie for 99 cents was absurd. If you simply own a song, you can listen to it at home, like any record, CD, or DVD you own. In the end, all the parties settled and agreed that the downloads were paid out to the artists. At the sale rate, 15%. Funny how these ideas go through so many degrees of definition. It seems obvious in retrospect that 99 cents shouldn't license a song. But remember, the artists were seeing so much less revenue than they did with CDs. On the artistic side, the change that we see with the MP3s, the artists really needed to deliver better quality masters to the distributor. Because the MP3 format seemed to amplify imperfections like uneven volumes. The new technology required higher sample rates, meaning more data. Artists like Neil Young said technology was degrading his music, not improving it. And he might have been right. So eventually, artists began approving two versions of their albums one for CD format, and one to be compressed into an audio file for online stores. So, your engineer in the studio had to adjust the volume and use filters that would allow the compressed version to sound better after conversion. Yikes, so much technical talk, but once again, music had to adjust to the technology or be left behind. Yes, the music suffered, as Neil Young suggested, but some engineer found a way to meet it halfway. Apple actually helped by instructing artists. How to deliver this higher resolution. It's called Mastered for iTunes. Another thing, MP3s changed our way of measuring our music. We used to say, I have X number of albums, or X number of CDs, or even tracks. Nowadays, you have X number of gigabytes. When iPods were the hot commodity, you had to upgrade to the latest version if you wanted to have more songs on it. And as technology expanded, consumers' expectations also increased. Fans assumed they could find anything they wanted. Platforms had to be drop dead simple to use, and they started to expect the prices to be zero. Marketing campaigns went out the window. There were no timed releases. Consumers wanted it now. Paying for music became optional. Buyers sometimes bought, and other times, Downloaded it for free. It was as if their conscience was playing a part. 
Do I want to support the artist? Or do I not care enough about this song? I'll just download it for free. So we've entered a society where we define activity by word usage. Are we stealing music? Calling it piracy? This is how the labels describe it. And everybody knows stealing is bad. Or are we sharing files? A nicer term that doesn't imply anything bad. Sharing is good. When you share something, you don't have the whole thing. You get a part of it or give part of it away. And we all know that a file is not a thing. And remember the argument that the Allman Brothers made with the sales and the license technology? If it's not a physical thing and you share it, you haven't reduced the thing you own. In P2P sharing, you never gave up anything you owned. You have exactly what you started with. In the end, we consumers get to decide what we want to pay for for music. That's what the CEO of mp3.com said. The consumer will have the last word. The internet empowers them. So now we have what's called the celestial jukebox. All the world's music is at our fingertips. It's nice, but what does it do to the creative people in the world? And it's been hard enough to sustain creativity in a world that just embraces money or money-making jobs. And music isn't a money-making job, per se. I think we need to support our musicians more carefully. Giving Tuesday is coming up on November 28th, and this is a great time to express your love for all the music you've been enjoying all year. It's actually a time to give extra support to any of the causes you appreciate. This podcast, Accelerando, is a sister organization to Chambersite. And if you want to support us on Giving Tuesday, we're on GiveGab. You'll see us listed under our nonprofit name, Pittsburgh Festival Orchestra, and there will be a link in the show notes. It's more important than ever to support musicians. Technology drives our world and has kneecapped the recording industry and the musicians that depended on it for so long. And as you know, I always say, live music is best. It's an experience that's rich and meaningful. And I think it's better than listening to your digitally shared MP3s. Do yourself a favor and go to a live event this holiday season. Please share this episode and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or Amazon. And don't forget to donate on Giving Tuesday. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time.